Welcome to the Jets, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson. The Jets made three picks in the first round of last night's NFL Draft. We will break down what happened on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Friday, April 29th, 2022, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. I thank you for making the show your first listen or your first watch every day. A big shout out to subscribers to this podcast. If you want to join that club, just click the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, please give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps the channel out and it helps other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. And if you're new to the show, welcome. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day, Monday through Friday. And I think we all woke up today to a better New York Jets football team as the Jets made three selections in the first round of last night's NFL draft. They add a corner, Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. They add a wide receiver, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. We finally addressed wide receiver this offseason. And then late in the first round, after you thought maybe the night was over, although if you were listening yesterday, you know that I told you, stay, keep watching because the Jets could trade up from 35. They make a deal to move up to grab Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, a defensive end who was mocked to the Jets but at 4 and at 10 by various prognosticators. So a guy who could turn into a tremendous value. And on today's show, we're going to break down all three of these picks. What a night for the Jets. And let's begin by talking about Sauce Gardner with the fourth overall pick. This was interesting because pretty much between the end of free agency and let's say Monday, all of the buzz was that the Jets were going to take a defensive end at four. And then suddenly, like out of nowhere, there was just all this talk of Sauce Gardner. Like everybody in the media said Sauce Gardner to the Jets. The Jets love Sauce Gardner. So it was a question of which of these was the smokescreen. Was it that the Jets really wanted a defensive end, so they were sending out this false information about loving Sauce Gardner? Or was it a situation where they were kind of able to keep things quiet up until the last week, and then the last week there was kind of leaks about them loving this corner? Well, it turns out it was the latter. They clearly loved Sauce Gardner. The word got out. I mean, I can't count how many mocks in the last couple days had the Jets taking Sauce Gardner. Very fascinating pick from a couple of standpoints. First of all, you know, corner was not really the most glaring need on the team, but longtime listeners of this show know that I'm not a big believer in focusing on immediate needs in the NFL draft. For me, the NFL draft is all about building strengths. Because first of all, the, the Jets heading into last night, they did not have many premium players on this roster. And they definitely did not have a position group that can overwhelm the opposition, that forces the opposition to adjust to, to, to them. And that thing may have, that may have changed last night because you look at this group of corners right now. I mean, here's the amazing thing about the, the corner position for the Jets. Last year's starters are now backups. And this is a deep group now because now you've got Bryce Hall as your primary backup. And there's an old saying in the NFL, and this was something Rex Ryan really believed in. On the defensive side of the ball, no position loses you games faster through bad play than the corner position. So now the Jets have depth. 
and Brandon Eccles becomes the you know the second backup off the bench, which honestly I think is a better role for him. I think Eccles is a quality backup. I think he was in over his head last year as a starter, had a few moments. It's a deep group. But now you also have a premium player, Sauce Gardner. And in today's NFL, there really are not many shutdown corners. And listen, I, I hesitate to do this because I don't want to put too, expectations too high on the kid because it, maybe that's not fair entering the NFL, but the rules are, make it really tough in today's NFL because they're, they're so quick to throw flags. There just are not many corners who can cover one-on-one with today's rules. Sauce Gardner projects as a guy who can do that. And the Jets added a really good corner in free agency. It was, I think, one of the better value moves in free agency that any team made in adding DJ Reed. Well, now you've got corners who can match up one-on-one with other teams' receivers. And Sauce Gardner projects as the type of corner who... And, you know, the problem with the Jets is that we had a guy who was a Hall of Famer here recently, so I don't want to compare him to Revis. But he's the type of guy who projects as a corner who, who's going to be able to match up one-on-one with the other team's best receiver. And... One of the reasons this is important is that on third down, Robert Sala loves to blitz. I, I think the Jets kind of run like two different defensive systems. They have like their first and second down system, and then they have their third down system. First and second down, you're going to see lots of zone. You'll see lots of four-man pass rushes. On third down, they like to get aggressive, and they like to play one-on-one, and they liked to play one-on-one this past year. And maybe, you know, who knows how that'll change with the pass rushers that the Jets will have in the mix this year, but I get the feeling they're going to want to play one-on-one on third downs. And I even heard in press conferences last year, Robert Sala talk about the distinctness of the third down defense, the packages that they run there. And now you might be able to match up one-on-one in a way you could not a year ago. And there are two, there's pretty much two spots. If you're going to be good on defense, you want to be good in two spots. You want to be good at corner and you want to be good on the defensive line. Last year, corner, I think it was actually a pleasant surprise for the Jets. And I do think the fact you got Bryce Hall experience, and even that you got Brandon Eccles experience, will pay dividends. Because again, you need depth. Depth is not something bad. I mean, I've seen people question the idea that now Bryce Hall is going to be a backup. You got a quality backup. You got a backup who's shown he can play. That's not a bad thing in the NFL. And he's going to be cheap. You know, he's a fifth round pick. He's entering year three. That's, there's nothing wrong with having a good backup especially at a position like corner, because now you can withstand an injury at the corner position. But you also now potentially have a group that forces the other team to adjust to you. And what do I mean by that? Well, let's say you have, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm projecting here for Sauce Gardner. I'm projecting he's going to be a really good player, which I think he's got an excellent chance to be. But if he's a legitimate shutdown corner, then you may adjust how you, how you do things on offense. Now, not every team has their best corner follow the other team's best receiver around the field. But even if you don't do that, even if you say this guy's on the left side, this guy's on the right, so let's say Sauce Gardner plays the right side, hypothetically. You may the, the opposition may have to send their other team to the, may have to send their best player to the left side. Now, just to avoid Sauce Gardner. Now, this is again, these are very lofty goals, but that's what you're hoping for, drafting fourth overall. So I think the Jets finally, you know, you look at this, they finally have a position on defense that forces the other team to adapt to them. They finally have a potentially dominant position group. You know, I always talk about this. Yes, improving your weakest position is a way to improve your roster. But another way to improve your roster is improve areas that are already relative strengths. Yes, I think corner was a relative strength heading into last night. I think the Jets could have lived with what they had. But I don't think it was so good that you necessarily pass on a guy, on a talent like a Sauce Gardner. 
And Robert Sala in his press conference last night indicated that, you know, they thought he was very scheme versatile. They think he can play zone. They think he can play man-to-man. And especially the ability to play man-to-man is a very valuable commodity in today's NFL. I think that the Jets have finally built, and you see, you see the plan. And the other reason, I mentioned there are a couple reasons this is interesting. The other reason this is interesting is it kind of cuts against what we've seen Robert Sala's philosophy be in the past, especially last year. They clearly prioritized the defensive line over the corner position. I mean, at corner, you were going with a bunch of late-round picks in their first or second year. And the question was, it, there was, there was, there really wasn't much doubt that the Jets clearly believed in building the defensive line first. The question is, was this a philosophical thing? Did they think they could just coach guys up at the corner position? Or was it just that they decided we're building the defensive line first, and then we'll focus on the corner after the defensive line is built? And it, clearly that was the case. And maybe there was a little bit of a shift. You know, maybe they realized that, you know, well, we got to get some good corner. We got to get some great corners in here to run this defense as well as we want to run it, that could that could very well be. But I think we saw, you know, all this talk about Robert Salah doesn't care about corners. Corners not a premium position in the Salah defense. That changes things. And here's the, the other thing I'm going to say is I've been somewhat more critical of the linebacker play the Jets had than a lot of other people. I don't think the Jets linebackers were really that good last year. I think that they got a little too much hype, a little too much praise. I look at this group now. I think the linebacker position is a group you can live with in, you know, C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams. I don't think they're great. I think you can live with them, though, if you've got great play on the defensive line and great play at the corner position. We'll get to the defensive line in a little bit. But when you've got that, when you've got guys who are, you know, good players at other spots, especially these premium spots on defense, and again, if you're going to be good on defense, you want to be good in two places. You want to be good on the defensive line. You want to be good at corner. You can live with okay linebacker play in that sense. And I think part of the part of the reason maybe Mosley and Williams and again a lot of people like them a lot better better than I did I will fully admit to that your opinion may be much higher of Mosley and Williams than mine was I think part of the problem was the Jets were putting too much on their plate because they were really kind of playing their corners deep a lot they were asking the linebackers to compensate by covering more ground I think you've reduced what they need to do because now Sauce Gardner with when you got him in the mix you can play more press coverage DJ Reed's very feisty. So you got guys, and the Jets I mean, the Jets got killed last year by passes to the flat because they their corners were playing so far off, they were playing deep, that essentially that area was exposed. That was there all day for, for opposing op, for opposing offenses. That's not going to be there anymore. Jets can play tight man coverage. They can really press guys at the line. They can also play press zone. Uh, I think it just adds a lot to your defense. And nothing opens up your blitz packages like having a corner who can cover one-on-one because... You have to have some degree of trust if you're going to be aggressive on defense that the guys in the back of your defense are going to hold up. And when you're not, you're kind of stuck playing zone and you can't really get after the quarter. This, this is going to open up so much creativity for Robert Sala if he wants to, if he chooses to use it, and especially on third down. So I like this pick a lot. I went in saying that, you know, even though there would be some questions about it, even though some people might doubt it, because it's not the biggest need on the team, I think this would be a really good pick. And I try I try and when I evaluate what the Jets do in the draft, I try and remember what I said before the draft, to be fair, because it's easy to come on here and you know say everything's awesome. It's easy to come on here and blast everything after it happens. I want my analysis to be as close to what I said before the draft as possible. And I think at the corner position, the Jets did really well. I'd like this pick quite a bit. But of course, the Jets weren't even close to being done after... 
drafting Sauce Gardner. In fact, they finally, after an offseason of me begging, get some help for Zach Wilson. They finally did it. And they drafted a, a wide receiver who has the same last name as their quarterback. I'll break down that pick ahead here on this Friday episode of Locked On Jets. Of course, we're in the middle of the NFL draft, rounds two and three tonight, rounds four through seven tomorrow. The Jets are improving their roster. You're probably going to be pumped to go to training camp this summer, check out all of these new rookies. And if you're out in Florham Park this summer, you're you're going to want to make sure you have good sunglasses because it's very bright out there. The sun really shines. You should know that Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays' insane protection program. Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection on every pair. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happens. So give them a try, and if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that, plus 10 meals are donated to Fight Hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, head over to ShadyRays.com and use code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two pairs or more of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses, backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen or your first watch every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, please give this episode a thumbs up. It helps the channel out and it helps other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. We are talking about a very eventful first round of the NFL draft today as the Jets added three players, three players who hopefully will help them quite a bit from day one. Now, of course, the Jets entered last night with two first round picks, the second of which fell at pick 10. And there was lots of drama when the Jets were on the clock because through the day on Thursday, you heard all sorts of rumors about how perhaps if a Debo Samuel trade was going to happen, it would happen when the Jets were on the clock if the player the 49ers wanted was there. Well, it did not happen. And Debo Samuel was not traded last night. So I don't think you could criticize Joe Douglas or the Jets for not trading for Debo Samuel because it's not like he went somewhere else. And that left the Jets in a spot where the best way to address receiver was to draft somebody. And heading into the draft, I figured if Drake London was there, he'd be the pick. Well, Drake London wasn't there. He went to Atlanta. So Garrett Wilson ended up being the pick out of Ohio State. And that that made me happy because I felt like Wilson was probably the better fit for the Jets. I I really liked him. I did a prospect Friday. He was actually, I think he was the first player I did a prospect Friday breakdown on. Through the offseason, I did uh, breakdowns on prospects each Friday for the show. I think he, I just think he's a perfect fit for this offense. I think he's exactly what they need. I think he brings versatility. He's going to fit in the slot. He can go outside. And I feel like we may see the Jets maybe use the outside receiver position and the slot a little bit more interchangeably than they, than they did a year ago. Last year, the outside and the slot were much more strictly defined. You had guys like Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. Keelan Cole, who played primarily outside. And then you had Jamison Crowder and Braxton Berrios, who were confined to the slot. And part of that may have just been the roster the Jets inherited, because this was a new coaching staff. They were not able to pick their own players. So I feel like with the addition of Garrett Wilson... Now, listen, I think Garrett Wilson could do really well in the slot. If you just want to stick him in the slot, you look at his route running, you look at his savvy, he'll do really well there. And if you look at the rise of the slot in the NFL... You could stick him there and do well. I mean, the best receiver in the NFL last year was Cooper Cup, who played primarily from the slot. So 
The slot's not like a situational guy anymore the way it was maybe 15 to 20 years ago. You, you have guys who could do very well playing primarily in the slot, but you also may want to stick Corey Davis in there. Corey Davis played in the slot plenty in Tennessee. Elijah Moore, just because of his size, a lot of people mistakenly think he's kind of confined to being a slot receiver, which is not necessarily the case. I think Garrett Wilson is as close to a plug-and-play type receiver as you can get. I think he's got high potential. I think he could end up being a really, really good receiver. I think he could be a number one type receiver. But because of his route running, because of the things he brings to the table, I feel like his... I hate using the term floor because anybody's floor could be really low. Anybody could fail to be a good player in this league. But I feel like the odds of Garrett Wilson not being at least a decent receiver are pretty low, unless there's like injuries or something like that, just because of the savvy he brings to the position, because it just, just because I think his game is refined. And I think that also makes him kind of a plug and play guy. The same way I'd say Sauce Gardner's a plug and play guy. The same way I'd say Jermaine Johnson's a plug and play guy. I mean, the other thing about what the Jets did last night is they did not draft guys who were projects. They draft guys who I think have games that are pretty refined, games that make them likely to be able to, to contribute on day one as much as I don't love Counting on rookies day one, they got guys who are going to be able to help them out this year. Now, through the offseason, I've said that I want the Jets to get a veteran receiver. And, you know, heading into last night, Debo Samuel was my hope. I do have to mention A.J. Brown did get traded to Philadelphia last night. If it was me, would I have made the deal? I probably would have, if I'm going to be honest. Again, looking what I said before the draft versus what, what, what I say now. But, you know, like when I disagree with the Jets, there are like two types of disagreements I have. There are the types of disagreements where I say that's a really stupid thing to do. And then there are the types of disagreements where I say, you know, I may have done it a little bit differently, but I get what they're doing and what they did was pretty was a valid way to go about things. And this this is more of the latter. Because here's the thing. Garrett Wilson, it's not inconceivable Garrett Wilson could be better than A.J. Brown, or at least as good as A.J. Brown. He's got that type of game. So I can't get behind the people who are like, furious the Jets did not trade for A.J. Brown. Yeah, I guess if, like, I'd probably take the sure thing because of Zach, because it's so important for Zach Wilson, but you got a really good prospect, a guy who, again, the odds of Garrett Wilson at least being a decent receiver are probably pretty high, and I think his ceiling's higher than people realize. And maybe I'd feel differently if the Jets drafted a different receiver. If the Jets drafted, like, more of a project-type receiver, I'd be a little bit more hesitant about praising it, but... Garrett Wilson's the, like the one guy I looked at where, this offseason, even as I wanted the Jets to get a veteran receiver. I, he was kind of the one guy I looked at this and I said, you know what, the Jets take him. I, I get it. I, I see I see what they're doing. You know, he, he's got a lot of speed. He conceivably could help the Jets as a deep threat. Um, you know, he, And there is something to be said. I, I understand the argument because I made the argument about getting a veteran receiver in here. But there's also something to be said for the idea of having a young receiving core that can grow with Zach Wilson. That's a perfectly valid way to build your team. And if Garrett Wilson is as good as, is as good as advertised, then maybe as soon as this year, Corey Davis becomes your number three receiver. And say what you will about Corey Davis. If he's your number three receiver, you're doing pretty well. So I'm really glad to see the Jets finally invest in a weapon for Zach Wilson this is something that needed to be addressed. You could not go into the season with the receiving group you you had. And no, no nothing against Braxton Barrows. Braxton Barrows is much better as a number four receiver than a number three receiver. And beyond that, I mean, just talking about depth, we're not in the position anymore where if somebody gets hurt, Jeff Smith is playing 
big minutes, which was what we, which was the situation we were in heading into yesterday. So as much as as much as the Jets needed a top end target, they also needed depth. Now Barrios is the first guy off the bench. I feel much better with Barrios being the first guy off the bench than Jeff Smith being the first guy off the bench. And I feel much better with a trio of Corey Davis and Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson than I did with Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and Barrios. So a move that really had to be made. The Jets, I mean, heading into the draft, as much as I usually hate to say you have to pick a player at this position with this pick, I felt like the way things lined up, the Jets had to take a receiver at 10. And to me, Garrett Wilson was the guy. I, I think it made sense. If you could not trade for Debo, and again, you can't criticize the Jets for not trading for Debo because nobody else, it's not like San Francisco sent him somewhere else. Now, if San Francisco sent him somewhere else last night, you know, maybe I'm wondering what's going on here. But the fact he was not traded, that kind of indicates to you, and you know, who knows what will happen tonight, but it kind of indicates to you that all of this trade talk was maybe a little overblown. Maybe it was a situation where San Francisco was going to need to be blown away by an offer if they were going to trade Debo. Maybe maybe it's a situation where they were not as, as willing to deal him as people thought. So the Jets end up with Garrett Wilson, and you may have thought that was the end of their night, but it was not the end of their night. In fact, they traded up from 35. They added a third first-round pick, and this was a guy who many people thought the Jets would take it either 4 or 10. It was Jermaine Johnson, and I'll give you my thoughts on that on that pick ahead here on this Friday episode of Locked On Jets. Ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we will talk about the Jets trading up for Jermaine Johnson in the NFL draft. Of course, if there was a protein bar draft, everybody would want to trade up for Built Bar. The only question is which Built Bar flavor they'd want to trade up for, because there are so many delicious ones from banana cream pie to raspberry to double chocolate. These bars are protein bars, but they don't taste like them. They are absolutely delicious because at Built Bar, they figure out how to make it taste good. Then they figure out how to make it healthy. And they do both. Both All bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. And most Built Bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, which you can compare to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Go to Built.com yourself to check out all the flavors, and when you place your order, use promo code LOCKED15. That's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five. You get 15% off for Built Bars. Again, promo code LOCKED15 at Built, B-U-I-L-T dot com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Friday, talking about what the Jets did in the first round of the NFL draft. It was a very eventful evening. Jets made three selections. Now, they began the night with two picks. They began the night with four, and they began the night with ten. Well, we got late in the first round, and they decided to add a third pick. They traded up from 35, making a deal with the Tennessee Titans. The Jets get 26 and 101 in return for 35, 69, and 163. So, essentially, Jets move up nine slots from an early second round pick to a late first round pick. In exchange for that, they move down from the top of the third round to the bottom of the third round and throw in a late round pick. Now, again, I'm going based on what I said before the draft. This, The fact they traded up, I, I did not love that. I, I did not love that. I, As I was watching it, I felt like the board was falling really well for the Jets. I, I was like, no need to trade up. Again, two types of moves, two types of situations where I disagree with the Jets. There's the that's stupid move, and then there is the I don't necessarily think I do things the same way, but I understand it type of move. This was another, I probably wouldn't have done it the same way, but I understand it. 
And if they traded up, I'm glad it was for Jermaine Johnson. I will say that. And the other thing I say is like heading into the draft, I did say, I don't want to trade up. The one situation where a trade up makes sense to me, though, is if we're getting late in the first round and maybe there's like one elite player on your board still left, that's a situation where I, I see trading up. And that's clearly the situation. I don't think it's an accident that this happened, the pick after Baltimore drafted Tyler Linderbaum. Because knowing Joe Douglas as I do, I feel like what probably was happening is the Jets probably had two elite players on their board. My guess is they had Linderbaum and Johnson, then Linderbaum went, and the Jets kind of felt like, all right, well, we got one shot left. We better go get him. Jermaine Johnson, I did, I profiled him not that long ago. I talked about how I thought he was a really good fit for the system. In fact, I was surprised. I did not think, like, heading into, like, watching Jermaine Johnson, like, I'd seen the analytics. I knew his age was a little bit older which is kind of a warning sign for prospects. And then I watched the film, and looking at the traits, I was like, this guy's a great fit for the Jets. You know, he's an all-around defensive end. Another guy who I think could be plug-and-play, opposed to, like, a Trayvon Walker who went number one overall. I'm, you know, I mean, Trayvon Walker could be a great player in this league. I'm not sure if Trayvon Walker's going to be a plug-and-play type of guy, though. Jermaine Johnson could play the run. I just think if you're looking for a guy to be a bookend pass rusher with Carl Lawson... He's the right guy. He's a power guy. He again, he plays the run well. He knows how to use his hands. He comes in with a fairly re- refined skill set. He, ru- he rushes the passer with a plan. Just, a, I think, a really solid pick. In fact, the only real negative I had about him when I did that profile was there was talk he was going to go at four. And I, I remember saying on that show, I don't think he's one of the top four players in the class. Like, like I don't have anything against him. I just don't think you should pick him at four. Well, Jets got him at 26. That's a much better pick. And go back to what I said earlier. There are two spots on defense you want to be good at, above all others. You want to be good everywhere, but there are two spots it's more important to be good than, than anywhere else. Corner, where the Jets added Sauce Gardner to an already decent groove. And defensive line. And you look at this defensive line now, I mean, the Jets actually have pass rushers. When was the last time the Jets had pass rushers? You got Lawson back. Now you got Jermaine Johnson. You got Jacob Martin coming off the bench. For situational roles. Maybe you even have Vinnie Curry. And then inside you got John Franklin Myers. You got Quinn. We actually can rush the passer now with the Jets. Isn't that an amazing thing? We've actually invested on the defensive line and not run stoppers, pass rushers. It's a beautiful thing. And this defense should be a lot better this year. I mean, if you're good on the defensive line and you're good at corner, you're not going to have a horrible defense. The Jets had a horrible defense last year. It's good. I think it's going to get, you know, knock on wood, hope everybody stays healthy, but. This defense should be a lot better. In fact, I I gotta tell you, I am way more optimistic about this team than I was 24 hours ago. And you know, I was kind of I'm kind of laughing at some of the analysis I see because when your team has three of the top 26 picks, you should be. If you're not excited, you're you're doing it wrong, or something really bad has happened. So I guess I should have anticipated this. But the Jets added three players with really big potential, and beyond that, these are three guys again who have skill sets that. You could see the translation to the NFL. It should not be a big-time translation. They're not kind of throwing darts at guys who are projects, hoping they can develop them. They're getting guys who really know how to play the game right now. Three guys who I think are really good fits for the what the Jets are doing on defense uh, and offense, For in Garrett Wilson's case. Guys who fit the scheme well, guys who fit, fit their needs well. I look at this, and you know, you never know how it's going to be, and you're always optimistic after the draft, but... This could be the draft that really turns, you hope that this is the draft that really turns things around for the Jets because it's possible they added a lot of impact. And that's 
where we'll and we'll see what happens from here. The Jets, of course, still have an early second round pick. They have a late third round pick to begin tonight. They have a couple fourth round picks. They do still have a fifth round pick. So there's still there's still a chance to add more good players. But that's all for today's show. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, join our group of subscribers. Give the show a five-star review if you're listening on a podcast source. A big thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Enjoy the rest of the draft. We'll be back on Monday to break down what happens.